This fucking guy. Hello, my little ham and cheese sandwiches. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast about self-care, if self-care is one long scream into the void. Here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and p-words that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. Are you there, God? It's me, Red Martinez. And I'm a child called Ginger Gollum. (laughs) Are you there, God? It's me. It was either going to be a child called Ginger Gollop or Ginger Gollops in the attic. I was not sure which one was funnier. Both are great. Okay. Actually. Um That's actually something since since October's coming up. We should do some more uh do uh some goosebumps references. Uh cuz man, I was super into that series as a kid. I was not. I might need you to write these because I thought that I was very not into scary things when I was a kid and I was wrong. I don't like jump scares is oh, my problem. Yeah, yeah. I love psychological terror. I mean, I love the Goosebump books. I did get sometimes frustrated with Goosebumps because sometimes the spooky thing was just, it, it was kind of like the, the Scooby-Doo Scooby-Doo. thing. But it's like, I, I remember one, I think it was like Camp Fear, Camp something or other. And he goes to summer camp and like his his... Friends are getting kidnapped in the woods and there's some monster and, like, the counselors go missing and all this shit. And then, like, at the end, like, his parents show up and he's like, what are y'all doing? And he's like, you've passed the test. This was leadership camp that we put you through to see if you had leadership qualities and, like, no one was actually missing or whatever. And I'm like, one, that's trauma. (laughs) That's childhood trauma. But I was also like, where's the monster? I wanted a... Like, I wanted a monster, but there wasn't any. It was fucking psychopath training camp for like future elon musks but it you know something that was legitimately creepy was uh creepy stories tell in the dark mm. that was a really good series yes. and the artwork oh yes. that lady with the spider eggs coming out of her face oh my god, oh my god haunts me in my dreams but we're so gonna good. have to put trigger warnings on this episode just for that nothing i'm talking about is nearly <laughs> that distressing hmm is there anything that you would like to scream into the void, though? Um, Other than the fact that, like, again, I will probably avoid watching any horror movies because I am lazy. Um, I just want to do a big round clap for Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> for very neatly avoiding the problem of uh, a whistleblower revealing tens of thousands of pages of documents proving that they didn't do fuck all about anything. Um, and as if like shutting down Facebook and Instagram for a couple hours, it's like everything would blow over. No one would notice. Brilliant plan. Spot on. Mm. Again, just mm, mastermind. Genius. Genius level. If Facebook shuts down. Nobody can talk about Facebook. <laughs> as if there's no other. Social it's like media. object permanence. Like I'm hiding behind a tree. No one can see me. It's like a sapling. That's the thing. Mark Zuckerberg thinks that his audience base are a bunch of like six month old babies who like if you go peekaboo, they're not going to know. I've been in the comments section. I'm not sure they're not. Oh, but man, I just, I've been watching bits and pieces of that interview. And like, first of all, kudos to that woman. She like fucking did her work. But none of what she said was a surprise. Like, none of it was surprising. It's like, yes, Facebook last year, like, did a study saying that only three to five percent 
of hate speech or hate groups were removed from their platform and less less than 0.5 percent i think it was 0.5 percent or one percent it was less than one percent of incitement to violence was removed from their platform wow look at you mm, fighting the good Mm. fight i hope your shareholders are pleased you banned our facebook page because i posted (laughs) a picture of a floating tent and you said it was incitement to complete suicide oh man it's just they lost 50 billion dollars yesterday apparently good (laughs) i mean and then then that's fake money it's not like real money but also like fuck you maybe It's it's like saying I didn't spend my thirty percent off coupon. Like no, yeah, but but still, I just, I mean, Facebook has been a villain for a really long time. I saw a, a I follow a subreddit called a boring dystopia, which um just has the it's best all Facebook posts. Not all Facebook, but a lot of Facebook. Um, but it was an article from like some Forbes or Wall Street, one of those places. Yeah. And it was a think piece, which is like the worst place. First of all, think pieces are generally the worst, but also a Forbes think piece. Like, no, thank mm. you. And it was, it was advocating for Facebook and Twitter to be given seats on the UN Council because super corporations are the same as countries. And no, no, violently no. Boy, boy, absolutely not. Boy, they're not. <laughs> like the utter revulsion I feel at that is just <gasps> like call them in to testify and explain themselves. Sure, but oh, man, just just the thought, just the thought of it is just like makes me hyperventilate and like. Oh, we really are just barreling towards the end of times. I love this. I I can't wait for fucking like Running Man to be an actual thing, like Squid Game to be a real thing that happens because we're just edging closer and closer to like the cool Black Mirror episode that is what is currently going on. I was <sighs> basically offline for two months with the exception of posting memes for Facebook. I miss Squid Game and I thought it was a porn thing until yesterday. And it's not. Um, I mean, it could be. The internet I haven't makes watched everything it. a porn thing. The Netflix trailer <laughs> made it seem like it probably wasn't a porn thing. Not until the internet gets its hands on oh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Um, speaking of porn, um, maybe therapy? (laughs) Okay. This is where we are. This is where I am today. Yeah, that's fair. So, Genji, my love, Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna need you to tell me about this fucking, this fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, like I said, I have been offline for a couple of months, basically, and so... Let me preface this by saying it turns out this guy's not dead. Oh. Um, which doesn't like, like, we don't, our jurisdictions are very flexible. Yeah. I try to do dead people. I, I do love the surprise alive, you know? Surprise alive. Um, and then I went, well, okay, he's alive, but he's completely passed out of relevance, much like Anita Bryant. It's fine. Nothing's going on with him. I missed something that <laughs> happened in the last three weeks. So you'll see, you'll, you'll see about that. I mean, I was, I was just going to do sort of like the lightest 
requires the least thinking possible. And it's true. This There's very little content in this. We're mostly going to be talking about quotes. I feel like that actually is the summary of this fucking guy. There's very little content in this. <laughs> But it's one of those things like Richard Gardner, where we're mostly just going to be going over buck wild shit he awesome. said. Awesome. Love it. James Danforth Quayle, better known <laughs> as Dan Quayle. <laughs> yes. A man who is still alive. He is. He is. St- I, I haven't heard that he's died. He certainly hasn't. I checked. <laughs> Thoroughly. Uh, he was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, on February 4th, 1947. The third worst state. Mm. Florida. Florida. Jersey? Ohio. Ohio! Oh, Ohio is the butthole of America. Oh. Don't get me wrong. Florida is like the ask- the taint of America, but Ohio is its actual butthole. Nothing good happens there. Well, I mean, my mother's trying to get heart surgery <laughs> clinic so as long as one good thing happens in ohio if 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 mama ginger goes to ohio she'll be the one good thing in ohio bless (laughs) um indiana i've been to indiana i went to a conference in indiana there really was not a lot to take away from that no i mean the only thing that it's it's like if a hard rock cafe was a state like no more damning words have ever been spoken Mm. just searing Searing criticism from Ginger <laughs> Gollum. <laughs> and, like, okay, so let's let's look at the 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 Republicans from Indiana that are have risen to prominence that we know of. It's basically like Mike Pence and Dan Quayle, which makes me feel like Indiana Republicans have this really peculiar, particular kind of sameness of being incredibly boring, incredibly mediocre, kind of creepy, very family values. Creepy family values. Creepy family values. The off-brand of Adam's family values. I think that is a thing that, like, there's a reason why, like, Indiana and Florida are very similar in that they they, they have, like, a very similar, like, ideology. Mm -hmm. Florida, however, is, like, coked out of its mind. You know what I mean? Like, fine. Messed out of its mind. Like, they have the combination of, like, bath salts and gators that at least it's an entertaining kind of, like, awful. There's nothing entertaining about Indiana. It's just awful. I would also like to apologize to uh, my nephew, Nate, who is currently in Indiana getting his master's degree Go Ball State. Anyway, (laughs) um, Quail's father and maternal grandfather were publishing tycoons. Owning newspapers like the Indianapolis Star, the Huntington Herald Press, and the Phoenix Gazette, which are not really at the, like, frontline, cutting-edge American journalism, but... But anytime you're, like, descended from tycoons, you pretty much are fucked. It's hard for me to tell if they were both, like, tycoons in their own right, or if his father just, like, siphoned some tycoonship off of his maternal grandfather it wasn't even his father's like one father. of those fish that like attaches to a shark yeah kinda but like with a twirly mustache and a top hat it's like you you read the newspapers that his grandfather has and you're like i've heard of some of these and his father you're like no i haven't no nope mm. nope an episode about disappointing sons mm. Mm. 
Also, his grandfather, Eugene Pulliam, founded the Phoenix Zoo. And that will not be on the test later, but I thought it was fun. Um, Dan Quayle may very possibly be the least interesting person in his own family. <laughs> and he was the vice president. <laughs> oh, but what he a bar. said some wild shit, so here we are. Yep. Dan's dad moved the family to Arizona for newspaper reasons. Then they moved back to Indiana once he'd absorbed some Arizona stink. He graduated high school and then got a degree in political science from DePaul University, a university that, until today, I thought was spelled DePaul. Hmm. How do you think DePaul is spelled? Well, I did think there was an L in it. Mm-hmm. Now I know there isn't. There is not. Is it D-E-P-A-W? D-E-P-A-U-W. DePaul. 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 Like, pa. Paul, get the gun! Get the gun, Pa! Uh, <laughs> My name's Peepaw! <laughs> uh, both his father and grandfather went there, and his grandfather was on the board of trustees. Surprising no one. When he graduated from DePau in 1969, Richard Nixon had just been elected and decided to run America headfirst into Vietnam. Quayle joined the National Guard at this time, which kept him from getting drafted, and a lesser podcaster might suggest that his enlistment was a ploy to not have to go to Vietnam, but I would never say such a thing. We have journalistic integrity. Well, and honestly, I don't don't give a shit. If I was a dude in that area, I would have dodged all kinds of drafts, but, like, also... Yeah, I heard Canada was nice that time of decade. Canada was nice that time of decade. Uh... (laughs) But, like, Dan Quayle, by virtue of, like, the Republican vice president to George H.W. Bush, like, sort of de facto war guy. Well, I guess guess it was a better strategy to join the National Guard than just to say bone spurs repeatedly. Turns out I might have bone spurs. spurs. I don't think that they were going to draft me. Anyway, the media definitely later did say such a thing though um especially since he had entered the indiana national guard on may 19th 1969 nice six days before he would have become eligible for the draft upon his graduation from say it with me now depow university i I, what i would what i would argue not Mm -hmm. to be weirdly in Mm -hmm. dan quill's defense Mm -hmm. i bet a lot of people did that Oh, I'm sure. Like, but they, they again, they either went to Canada, um, or they're like, "Well, I guess I'll join the National Guard or the Coast Guard." So I, I thought that that was just sort of like an open thing, and if you wanted to affirmatively do that, you could do that. It turns out that there are a set number of spaces in the National Guard. Oh. And that's what the issue is, because I don't understand how the National Guard works, admittedly, but I understand how numbers work. And I can tell that Quayle's unit had one to two more people in it than it was authorized to have immediately after he enlisted. Hmm. It's almost it's almost as if tycoons. Also, per the Orlando Sentinel, uh, notably a newspaper that the Quill family did not own, mm. um, from also a terrible state, though. So, yeah. Retired Major General Alfred Honor said that after receiving a call from Wendell Phillippe, 
Excellent name. A retired guard commander then working for a newspaper that was owned by Quayle's family. He contacted the guard personnel office. Quote, I said, hold one of them. There's a good guy coming over. Isn't it nice to have a daddy and a granddaddy who can make calls like this? Isn't it nice? I'm a disappointing son. So gross. <laughs> Much nepotism. And speaking of nepotism, while he was serving in the Guard, he earned a Juris Doctor, a JD, a law degree, uh, in 1974 at the in of Indiana University Robert H. McKinney School of Law. That's and they it. just hand those shit out to anybody. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, just knowing what I know about Dan Quayle. Well, well, but here's the thing. He got into that School of Law despite the fact that he failed the entrance exam. I hate everything about what you just said. Quayle's military record revealed that Quayle, again, who is the son and grandson of journalists, scored only a total of 56 points on the written portion of the test, which was 19 points below the average score of 75. And he did this after spending more than four of his six years as a guard public information specialist writing lots of stuff. Ooh. Writing lots of stuff that no one could read. Why doesn't daddy love me? Now, I can understand that some people do not test well, but the numbers ain't adding up, sis. They're not adding up. Quayle's father even acknowledged that his son didn't meet the admission standards and claimed that, quote, they weren't going to accept him. He didn't fit their criterion. So Danny went down there and he talked to the dean. He talked his way in. Danny, he's a pretty good salesman. No, he's not. The dean of the No, he is not. <laughs> the dean of the law school thoroughly denied that this ever fucking happened, though. However, it's worth noting that the dean of admissions was a Republican judge in a city where Quayle's family owned the local newspaper. I mean, no, he, de someone at that school definitely got a call from a Mr. Quayle. It was not Quayle Jr. It was not the youngest of the Quayles. It was an elder Quayle. An elder Quayle. <laughs> now I really want to see someone like make Dan Quayle as a Quayle, like but with a little red bow tie. <laughs> Quayle did meet his future wife, Marilyn, at law school. Uh, and then he went on to do consumer protection and tax law shit and is all so boring that I cannot make myself go I imagine into Marilyn it. got into law school for, like, actually passing the exam. She did. <laughs> In 1976, Quayle was elected to Congress from Indiana's 4th Congressional District, defeating eight-term incumbent Democrat J. Edward Roosh by a pretty sizable margin. Maybe the most interesting thing to happen to Dan Quayle while he was in Congress was something that didn't end up happening to him. Hmm. In November 1978, Congressman Leo Ryan of California invited Quayle to accompany him on a delegation to investigate unsafe conditions at the Jonestown Settlement in Guyana. Oh, uh-huh. Just a little trip. Quayle was busy. Couldn't go. Couldn't go. Mm. Uh, the decision likely saved Quayle's life because Ryan and his entourage were subsequently murdered at the airstrip in Jonestown as the party tried to escape the massacre. They sure were. Yep. They sure were. Um, 
that, that you know, as far as vacations go, that is probably one you could miss. Yeah. Two years after Quayle didn't die, he became the youngest person ever elected to the Senate from Indiana. Eight years later, he was reelected with the largest margin in Indiana history. I'm sorry, that, that always is so weird to me, being like the youngest person elected from this state. Because like, even in like the fucking like 17 and 1800s, like people were graduating from college at 16 and had seven children by 21. Right. So it's like, weren't all of our Congress people like 25 years old? Congressmen, yes. Senators, no. Because senators are elected for longer terms. So they have, and there's only two of them from each state. So they have to be choosier. Any fucking person can be a congressman. Okay. Only some okay. fucking people so can like be senators. So like 21 year olds in like 1800 could absolutely be a congressman. Yes. But you had to like season on the vine. A little bit before you could be a senator. A little bit, a little bit. Um, but yeah, he he won the, his second election by like a sixty-one. Who votes for Dan Quayle? That's kind of embarrassing. People who did not want to vote for his Democratic opponent, Jill Long, who is apparently a well-respected ethicist in the law community. Sorry, Jill. Mm-hmm. In 1986, Quayle took some flack for trying to carry forward the long, proud tradition of promoting mediocre white men to jobs they aren't qualified for when he championed Daniel Mannion for a federal judgeship. Despite the American Bar Association rating Mannion as qualified slash unqualified, which is literally the lowest score you can get in still practice law. I just... Mm, to, to have the confidence of a mediocre white man. You know how much shit I would get done? So much shit. So much shit. Mannion, a supporter of the John Birch Society. Oh, I hate that. Oh, well, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that what you just said. Mm-mm. He was appointed anyway and went on to make some questionable decisions. Like that the city of Elkhart was fine having the Ten Commandments outside their city hall. That a high school boys basketball coach wasn't discriminating against players by imposing strict short haircut rules uh, with regards to how they can wear their hair. Um, <sighs> he uh, opined that Donald Rumsfeld shouldn't be held personally liable for his subordinates torturing prisoners. <sighs> and as far as I can tell, uh, supported restrictions on abortion access. I just... I love these people who are like, yes, we are. We love the Constitution. That's why we're going to get a judge that has never read it. Certainly. It's not, not even sure he can. Not even sure he can. You know, the, the Constitution itself, not long. Not a very long document. Like, it's not going to take you, like, a, a whole evening. Like, it's really not that long. But they, like, clearly I'm like, I, I don't even know her. Like, I don't. I don't even know her. On August 16, 1988, at the Republican Convention in New Orleans, George H.W. Bush chose Quayle to be his running mate in the 1988 presidential election. Everyone hated this. Fucking everyone. I have heard a little bit about this. It did not go well. Um, As to why he chose Dan Quayle. And part of the reason, I think, my understanding my very basic because I listened to some podcast episode understandings um, is that the, the other conservative that was running it was that Ross Perot who was uh, running that year. Ross Perot ran as an independent that year. Yes. But Ross Perot was running as an independent, but he's running as libertarian. Yes. So he was running on a whole like no taxes, like low small government thing as well. 
And because he was pulling so much from that, like, pool of shit, yeah. um, G- George H. was like, mm, I gotta come in a fancy new angle. And so he was like, well, I have this complete fucking idiot over here who's all about family values. Family fucking values. So, that's, so him choosing Dan Quayle was boarding the morality Christian train. Yes. And it's never left American politics. Fuck you. Fucking absolutely. <laughs> uh... That said, press coverage of the convention was dominated by questions about the three quail problems. These questions involved his military service, a golf holiday in Florida, and whether he had enough experience to be vice president. We, we've we already touched on the military service thing, but let's have fun with the other two for a moment. Let's do it. So what happened on that golf trip? Uh, in 1989, Quayle went on a golfing vacation in Florida with two Republican colleagues, U.S. Representatives Tom Evans of Delaware and Tom Railsback of Illinois. Railsback is a great last it name, really by the way. It really is. Tom Railsback sounds like a bartender. Yes. Like suspenders. You yes. Know? Like a hipster mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can make a really good old fashioned. Mm, I'm so basic. I can't think of another drink right now. Um, so Evans brought along Washington lobbyist, I don't know what the fuck she lobbied for, but she was a Washington lobbyist, named Paula Parkinson, who he was definitely fucking. <laughs> Paula did an episode, did an episode, did an interview for Playboy magazine, which it is truly surprising to me how much that has been like a font of journalistic revelations for this podcast. I've used you know, it three or four times. You know, sometimes you y- you have to get some hard hidden journalism, just hitting it real hard. Mm. <laughs> she did the interview for Playboy, and per a statement from Playboy that came out before the actual um, magazine did, uh, when this got picked up, when DC lobbyist Paula Parkinson, star of a November nineteen eighty Playboy pictorial, ooh. ooh was asked about rumors of hanky-panky with George Bush's VP choice, Dan Man, Quayle. the era in which hanky-panky was used legitimately. Mm. Anyway. She said that she and Quayle hadn't actually slept together during a 1980 vacation in Florida. Quote, He wanted to, but I was there as Tom Evans's date, Parkinson said. We flirted a lot and danced extremely close and suggestively. He said he wanted to make love. Ugh. First of all, I just, I just love that, like, we didn't actually sleep together. Oink. Um. He says they didn't sleep together. She says they didn't sleep together. I actually kind of believe that they didn't sleep together. No, but no. But that's only because she was so busy fucking Tom Evans. He was so busy fucking the other and dude. His but, pancake. like, he definitely was like, oh my god, could, your boner in your khakis is, like, really overt. Could you, like, could you at least shift your hips a bit? Yeah. Like, could you kind of like it guys in khakis? It absolutely <laughs> a boner in khakis. The title of the Dan Quayle episode. Yeah. Again, and I don't give a shit what he gets up to with other consenting adults, but he's a big old fucking hypocrite for being the family values champion. Mm-hmm. Bullshit! 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 
And again, this came up uh, in part because there was a fucking FBI investigation into whether sexual favors were traded for votes on Capitol Hill. And the they answer to- is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. All the time. Quayle denied everything. Technically, he denied the not fucking that woman, which, he, you he, know. He didn't deny, like, really clumsily, like, grinding against her to careless whisper. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know how. <laughs> the only saxophone riff anybody knows. So, so turning a little bit to the question of Dan Quayle's experience in the October 1988 vice presidential debate, Quayle debated Democratic candidate Lloyd Benson. It's spelled weird. I had to practice that. Uh, When the debate turned to Quayle's relatively limited experience in public life, he compared the length of his congressional service with President John F. Kennedy. He had served 12 years. JFK served 14 years before elected to the White House. Benson's response was the iconic, I served with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Which is classic, iconic. Because how do you not win the election with that? Because like Dan Quayle is no Jack Kennedy. He's nope. He's certainly not. Nope. I I'm not even sure that John Kennedy was John Kennedy. Honestly, but like what? J- okay, so like again, like I don't, I can't necessarily do a full like expose regarding JFK's politics. JFK, but, like, sex idiot of the center left. Mm, um. True. But like <laughs> JFK, like you are, you know, you just know by what little you know about him and like what you've seen, he had, le- he had a charisma, a presence, and like an ability to communicate his ideas that was like, he was able to get the boner out of the khakis. Exactly. And like, you know, who, uh, Obama has a similar energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you, you could even, you know, you know who didn't have that energy? George W. That is not a man who had that energy. That is a man who stumbled into office and then 9-11 happened and everyone was like, look at him. He's so good at this job. And it's just because like war goggles were on everyone's eyes. Mm. Despite these faults, Bush and Quayle won both the popular vote and the Electoral College, which was also technically the last time an incoming Republican president won the popular vote in fucking 1988. Yeah, I love American democracy. Before I was goddamn born. I love democracy in America, quote-unquote. Love it. Now, there's not necessarily a lot to say about Quayle as the vice president because he didn't do anything important, like, at all. Seriously, Quayle cast no tie-breaking votes as president of the Senate, becoming only the second vice president not to do so while serving a complete term. Quayle has since described the vice presidency as an awkward office. You're president of the Senate. You're not even officially part of the executive branch. You're part of the legislative branch. You're paid by the Senate, not by the executive branch. It's the president's agenda. It's not your agenda. You're going to disagree from time to time, but you have to salute and carry on the orders the best you can. I do have to say that the dubious Vice President Dan Quayle.com Ooh. sees it differently. I'm going to read you all of this because I laughed really hard. Yes. 
Dan Quayle is widely considered to have been one of the most active vice presidents in history. By whom? By whom? In his constitutional role as vice president, Dan Quayle served as the as president of the United States Senate. They all do that. That's part of the job. Yeah, that is. That is. On February 9th, 1989, President Bush named Dan Quayle head of the Council of Competitiveness, which worked to ensure U.S. international competitiveness in the 21st century. That's not the right century. Also, the Council of Competitiveness was definitely a fake council that George H. made up so Dan Quayle felt important. (laughs) He also made official visits to 47 countries, was chairman of the National Space Council, we'll get to that, and served as President Bush's point man on Capitol Hill. They also all do that. That's true. As leader in causes from legal system reform to deregulation to the renewal of basic American values, Dan Quayle developed a large national following and became one of the most admired Americans of his time. By By whom? Uh, yeah. So while he didn't do anything especially important, no matter what Vice President Dan You know what he did says, do? Hmm. Um, I don't know if you get into this at all. Uh, he really did try to uh, blame crime on Murphy Brown. Notably, after the L.A. riots, <laughs> Quayle gave a speech titled Reflections on Urban America to the yes! Commonwealth Club of California. Yes! In which he blamed the violence on the decay of moral values and the family structure in American society. And as part of this, he cited noted fictional fucking character, (laughs) Murphy Brown, as an example of what's wrong with America. Because she was excessive. She was. I stopped drinking a while ago. She was a successful single mother. Quote, It doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown, a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent, highly paid professional woman, mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice. Do you know anything about that Murphy Brown, like, arc episode things? Not really. Again, I happened to this was actually an episode of You're Wrong About, and okay. that's why I know about it. Um, so if you know about like sitcoms, particularly of this era, uh-huh. like whenever it's like sitcom rating season, they always have a baby, go to jail, someone dies, someone cheats. Like it's always some big uh-huh. shit like that, right? So like Murphy Brown's no different. They have to do a thing. So they decide to like give her a baby. And essentially what happens in the show is she's been seeing this dude. Who's like, I don't know. He's like a, he's like a news correspondent. Yeah. And like, it's some other news correspondent and they've been fucking and she finds out she's pregnant. Uh-huh. So she goes to him and she's like, Hey, I'm pregnant. He was like, uh, deuces want nothing to do with a baby. Not ready to be a dad. I'm going to go to like, you know, talk about peace talks in the Middle East and fucks right the fuck off. And then Murphy is like, well, you know, I don't really want to have an abortion and I make enough money. So I'm going to be just a single mom and take care of my kid. Yeah. And I love that Dan Quayle saw this episode arc, whatever, and was like, no, 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 no. Brown snubbed a father. <laughs> when did not mention at all. The fucking news correspondent fucking right off to Syria or wherever the fuck he went. Man, man. 
Because again, like he, a responsible adult, said, "Hey, person who I have, <laughs> I am currently with child. Um, we should be responsible adults and like handle this shit." Oh. And that dude said, "You know what? Fatherhood is for fuckers," and like left. And uh, Dan Quayle did not say. That that nameless that man that, is that what's man wrong with American values. Is what's wrong with American values? Um, he he also admitted that he had not watched the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's hilarious. It's also uh, hilarious because again, in that speech, he definitely like slightly references police violence, like slightly, 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 but in a very much like, well, you know, the police aren't, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're trying really hard and they're really good people. And like, you know, it had nothing it's, to do it's Murphy Brown's fault. with the police beating Rodney King that led to the LA riots. No, 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 no. It was the K. They, of- they all watched Murphy Brown. All of them. <laughs> I have to go pee. Do transitional music. We're back. We're back. Now is where I undermine Dan Quayle entirely by reading you a bunch, just just a bunch of things he said. I'm for it. These are roughly in chronological order. I'm going to start with the ones that he definitely said and then get into some of the dubious ones because journalistic integrity. I'm going to tell you when they're dubious. Isn't there one about a potato? We'll get to it. Okay. Let me just tell you how thrilling it really is and how... What a challenge it is, because in 1988, the question is whether we're going forward to tomorrow or whether we're going to go past to the back. That's Hoosierism. You've got to get used to that. (laughs) Going past to the back is Dan Quayle's method of birth control. Mm -hmm. The Holocaust was an obscene period in our nation's history. No, not our nations, but in World War II. I mean, we all lived in this century. I didn't live in this century, but in this century's history. I knew it was going to be bad as soon as you started with the Holocaust. Yeah, it didn't. mm, mm, mm. I didn't live in this century. He did. (laughs) Definitely did. Okay. I'm going to read this to you and it's going to be normal and then I'm going to tell you the context. You all look like happy campers to me. Happy campers you are, happy campers you have been, and as far as I'm concerned, happy campers you will always be. Who, realistically, based on this quote, do you think he's talking to? A bunch of 10-year-old Boy Scouts. Uh, American Samoans. Wait, what? Just a press conference in American Samoa, just generally speaking. Not to children. A bunch of happy, happy campers. I'm very confused also. On the same press... You've been happily colonized before and you'll continue being happily colonized in the future. Speaking of which, and on the same press tour, Hawaii has always been a very pivotal role in the Pacific. It is in the Pacific. It is a part of the United States that is an island that is right here. (laughs) (laughs) I I think my favorite is when he... Says things that are not wrong. Because, <laughs> you know, 
Dan, none of that was wrong. He just likes conjugating. It, just, it is an island that is right here. He likes, uh, sometimes when he's talking, it sounds like he's either conjugating verbs or he's just remembering all of the various prepositions you can put onto a sentence. I am on Hawaii. I am in Hawaii. I am of Hawaii. <laughs> it's it's like there's an Eddie Izzard skit where she, uh, she she's talking about uh, – speaking French, um, and it's like, le chat is on le chaise? <laughs> uh, I don't know, like, le monkey, le sur la branche. <laughs> and it's like learning how to say prepositions in French. And that's, it's, it, this is Dan Quayle trying to learn prepositions in English. In English. So, somebody let him speak to the United Negro College Fund. Um... It, it is important that and I tell He blamed everything on Murphy Brown. Well, yes. it's important that I tell you this, and it's also important that I remind you that the fun slogan is, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. What he said was, when you take the UNCF model that, what a waste it is to lose one's mind, or not to have a mind, is being very wasteful, how true that is. Very true. It's very true, Dan. How very wasteful it is. What a waste it is to lose one's mind. <laughs> <laughs> or not have a mind. Jesus Christ. Okay. Why do people let this man speak? You know what? He he subscribes. He he gets the, He has the same strategist that Laura Loomer does. Just crying yes. drunk in a corner. Absolutely. <laughs> this one arguably my favorite quote. The other day, the president said I know you've had some rough times, and I want to do something that will show the nation what faith that I have in you, in your maturity, in sense of responsibility. Would you like a puppy? I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> is he talking to the president's child? Like The president is talking to him like a child, as one must, sometimes. So the president sat down Dan Quayle on his knee and said, son, you know, you're you're going to be a big boy, you know, and yeah, teach you about personal. Responsibility. We need to teach you about responsibility. And, you know, I know you've wanted a puppy. What's important is you got to make sure you walk that walk that dog every day. OK, yeah, gotta feed it. Got to take real good care of it. I know you've just been creating that press secretary for eight <laughs> hours a day. Can't be doing that. Deepaw, that would be real swell. Oh boy, here's another one. These go on for quite a bit, but we're having fun. Um, quote: I believe we are on an irreversible trend towards more freedom and democracy, but that could change. Mm-hmm. 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 Remember how I uh, said that he was on the space Camp council? Yes, yes. Quote, Mars is essentially in the same orbit. Mars is somewhat the same distance from the sun, which is very important. We have seen pictures where there are canals, we believe, and water. If there is water, that means there is oxygen. If oxygen, that means we can breathe. <laughs> Dan. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? No one knows this about um, the movie The Martian, but it was about Dan Quayle. It was about Dan Quayle. <laughs> Going to space. Gee. Uh. 
No, that's not no. No, but also it's the same distance from the sun? I mean in comparison to like Neptune. He was rounding down, Ginger. <laughs> Here's one that I think I've done on the caucasity, but still. I believe I've made good judgments in the past, and I think I've made good judgments in the future. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I make the best judgments in the future. We don't want to go back to tomorrow. We want to move forward. That's not where tomorrow is, but okay. We understand. That's a, that's a very Marty McFly. Yeah. Like, Marty, we have to go back to tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we understand the importance of having the bondage between the parent and the child. It's <laughs> not what that means. Dan, family values quail. Family values. I made a misstatement, and I stand by all my misstatements. It's it's important. He does. To own up to those. I have no idea what the context is for this one, but I was known as the chief grave robber of my state. <laughs> that sounds like a Republican. <laughs> mm. ah. Okay, and the, la the last one I can verify... This is where the Continental Congress met over 200 years ago during the American Revolution. So, Lancaster was actually the capital of our nation for one day in 1977. 1977? Mm-hmm. That, that was 200, 200 years. It feels like it's been 200 years. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, so, so the following ones are kind of dubious, but they were so fun I'm including them anyway. You can cut them if you have to for length. Nah. For NASA... Space is still a high priority. You're not wrong, Dan. He's not wrong. Again, I love the ones where he's not wrong. Speaking of, I love California. I practically grew up in Phoenix. <laughs> those thing, those two things are true. They just have no relation to one another. I love, maybe it's just because Indiana's so far away from anything that he's just like, well, I, Phoenix, Arizona, that's practically California. Practically California. You know, they both love turquoise. A low voter turnout is an indication of fewer people going to the polls. Again, correct. Correct. You know, Dan Quayle's correct about a lot of things he says. However, we have a firm commitment to NATO. We are a part of NATO. We have a firm commitment to Europe. We are a part of Europe. Swing and a miss, bud. Swing and a miss. <laughs> you were doing so good. But back on the he's technically right. Quite frankly, teachers are the only profession that teach our children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, Dan. Just really knocking them out of the park. Conjugating verbs again. They need help, and we have helped, and we are here to help, and we are helping, and we are going to continue to help. That's definitely one of my niece's, like, spelling assignments yep. on how to conjugate verbs. Japan, this is the last one. Well, t it no, it's not. But Japan is an important ally of ours. Japan and the United States of the Western industrialized capacity, 60% of the GNP two countries. That's a statement in and of itself. No, no, it's not. I mean, it's a statement. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And of course, who could forget, on June 15th, 1992, Quayle altered 12-year-old student William Figueroa's correct spelling of potato 
to P-O-T-A-T-O-E at the Munoz Rivera Elementary School Spelling Bee in Trenton, New Jersey. He was, understandably, the subject of widespread ridicule for his error. According to the New York Times and Quayle's memoirs, he was relying on cards provided by the school, which uh, Quayle says included the misspelling. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Quayle yeah, said yeah, yeah, he yeah. was uncomfortable with the version he gave, but did so because he decided to trust the school's incorrect written materials instead of his own judgment. That's still bad, Dan. That's, that's, that is, no, that did not happen. <sighs> That's no, no. And it's like, like he's, he's trying to be so helpful. Like, I'm sure he's a nice man. He's terrible, but he's probably nice. Cause he just goes up to the kid and he's like, Oh, so close. You almost got it. You just got to add this on there. And then he just draws an E at the end. And the kid's just like, the fuck? The fuck you talking about? Bush and Quayle lost the 1992 election to Bill Clinton and Al Gore. Republicans. Who can spell potato. And other things. Republican strategists had tried to oust Quayle from the ticket, believing him a liability, but he survived the challenge just long enough to lose the election. Since he left the White House, Quayle wrote some memoirs and other screeds about the importance of family values. He headed the Campaigning American Political Action Committee. He thought about running for office a couple of times and then changed his mind. And then he actually did try to run in the 2000 Republican primary, but lost badly and then withdrew. That last one is kind of fun because he had to talk a whole bunch of shit about George W. Bush and then pretend like he didn't. I mean, that sounds like politics. That sounds like primaries. Quayle now works at a company called Cerberus Capital Management. Oh, no. It sounds evil. It is. I don't know if anyone else listening plays the Mass Effect series, but uh, there is a pro-human, anti-alien terrorist group known as Cerberus. And I'm just like, oh, no, Dan Quayle works for Cerberus. I mean, best case scenario, it's a three-headed dog guarding the underworld. Best case scenario. It is, of course, a multi-billion dollar private equity firm where he serves as chair of the company's global investments division. So he does nothing. He plays a lot of golf. Well, he did at least one thing, because in early 2014, he traveled to Northern Ireland to speed up approval for a deal in which the company acquired nearly 1.3 billion pounds in Northern Ireland loans from the from the country? countries uh national asset management agency the irish government is investigating that deal and the u.s securities and exchange commission the fbi and the united states attorney for the southern district of new york are investigating dan quayle's involvement as a potentially very serious misuse of the vice president's office oh no dan dan Dan, you made a boo-boo. You made an error. Now PayPal's going to have to sit back down on his knee and talk to you about the consequences of your actions. Can't keep a dog like this. Mm -mm. Not even a three-headed one. In the 2016 presidential election, Quayle endorsed Jeb Bush. After Bush failed to win the nomination. Of course he did. Of course he Sorry, did. Just like out of, he's like, which one looks like milk toast the most? <laughs> That I think I know this one. 
Uh, Quayle endorsed Donald Trump and was seen visiting with Trump at Trump Tower in Manhattan before his inauguration. But then! But then! This is the thing that happened three weeks ago, or that we found out about three weeks ago, and I was not on the internet, so I didn't know. But in a last-minute dive towards decency, this is according to the book Peril by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa, Quayle played a central role in persuading Vice President Mike Pence to follow procedure and certify the 2020 United States presidential election. And by that, I mean the book basically says that he's the one that talked Pence into it, like, single-handedly. Here's an excerpt. Over and over, Pence asked if there was anything he could do. Mike, you have no flexibility on this. None. Zero. Forget it. Put it away, Quayle told him. Pence pressed again. You don't know the position I'm in, he said, according to the authors. I do know the position you're in, Quayle responded. I also know what the law is. You listen to the parliamentarian. That's all you do. You have no power. And Ren, I feel like that's what we've been asking for for a while. For these fucking guys to be less prolific and no one to just fucking stop and shut the and fuck up. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. We're just as surprised as the rest of you that that hero is Dan Quayle. We didn't know we had it in him, but Dan Quayle, we salute you there, bud. Oh, just... Eked it out at the end. Quayle attended President Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th, 2021. Quayle still works for Cerberus and currently lives in Arizona. I really, really was sure he had died, though. (laughs) And I have chosen to end this episode with a very prescient quote from the man himself. Quote, People that are... Really very weird can get into sensitive positions and have a tremendous impact on history. No true words have ever been spoken, Dan. For the record, he was talking about Rasputin. (laughs) (laughs) But still! (laughs) You know, he probably his entire idea of who Rasputin is is from Anastasia the movie. In the dark of the night, evil will find Hey, this was in 1988, and that movie was not out then, so... Still. Still. In the dark of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ooh, that was really fun. Like, I'm... It it was light. It was airy. It was, it was... It was a souffle, really. It was a souffle of an episode Mm -hmm. where we don't want to literally kill anyone at the end of it. There, I have no murderous intent in my My heart. My blood pressure has been lower than it's been since I've been in a room with you since about 2018. (laughs) So, just kind of continuing the vibe for a self care plan, I decided not to do one that was thematic because I don't know what the fuck that would be. Other Um, than like maybe download the Grammarly app. This episode now sponsored by Grammarly. <laughs> Learn your prepositions, bitch. <laughs> we have helped. We are helping. We could help. We will have helped. 
Uh, so instead, I am going to give you earnest tips for dealing with sensory overload, because that's something I've been experiencing as I continue to plan a fucking wedding. Never heard of her. (laughs) (laughs) Try some noise-canceling headphones. You can replace the din of chaos with some nature sounds or lo-fi beats. Hmm. Introduce a smell that relaxes you, whether that's with a bath bomb, a scented candle, room spray, or huffing the armpit of the one you love. No thanks, but I appreciate the thought. Yes, please. Try weighted, soft, or just warm blankets to center you physically. It's October. You can do that now. It's legal. Two weeks ago, uh, Reek and I transitioned from our summer quilt to like our our winter duvet and mm. oh it was so nice oh, it's been so, so cozy we oh. we've put off doing that because we have not had uh the hvac on at all and we're just waiting until it gets slightly more actually cold we are we are a folk that love to have our fan on full blast at night mm. so it's like we want to we want our encasing to be as warm as possible, but the immediate outside temperature to be as cool as possible. I am such a light sleeper that if I have the fan on full blast at night, if my own hair gets picked up and brushes against my own face, I will wake up punching someone. Like your husband. Yes. And I'm sure he would be slightly annoyed. Not as much as you might think. But that's going to be all for us this week, folks. If you like what you're hearing, and I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, you can check us out. Our website is thisfnguypod.com. That's pretty much our Twitter and our Patreon as well. We will have a Patreon episode up at this time. So, like, look at us being badasses. We will. We already recorded it. It's not just theoretical. Hell yeah. Also. Also. We have to give a shout out. I uh, was going to give uh, the shout out last week, but then I couldn't figure out how to work out twitter shout out to christy kelly and uh the volunteers at the clinic in charlotte north carolina we appreciate you keep listening keep keep fighting the good fight keep fighting the good fight <laughs> i'm very tired i haven't you, eaten you've it. it's quoting, almost you've eight been quoting a lot of dan quail i've been it's quoting okay. a lot of dan quail and uh christy if you are listening i have added the guy you suggested to the list and i cannot let ren know about him love She's and light eyes. guide your way yes. kisses mm. as always i'm ginger Golub. I am Ren Martinez. Here's a bonus self-care tip. Go to actual fucking therapy. We do not count. Also, don't be this fucking guy. Peace. Peace. This fucking